Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. She um, doesn't eat chocolate. Uh, she doesn't uh, wear perfume. And she's not really big on flowers, so I got to really think hard what to get her. So this year I got her the perfect Mother's Day gift, the most practical gift you could think of. This next slide laundry detergent. <laughs> now, normally she's a Tide girl, but when we were down in Cape Cod, we went to the Walgreens, and this laundry detergent was on for $1.99. I can't, I can't walk away. I'm too much of a deal person. $1.99. The only thing that says I love you more is the next slide. I bought six of them. <laughs> so if you need laundry, bring them to our house. We're set up for the year. Don't worry about it. All right. So we're in, the, we're in a series called Break Free. I'm going to get you to get Exodus chapter 19 ready in your Bibles. We'll be looking there in a few moments, reading it together. We looked at a few weeks ago uh, the life, a little bit about Moses. And how God called Moses to lead these people out of Egypt. And we're going to look back a little, come back and visit Moses a little further on in that journey. You know, Moses has an interesting story. If you uh, read about him in in the Bible or maybe seen the movie, The Ten Commandments, you know that Moses was 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 a Jew in Egypt. And there was a decree that went out to want to actually kill all baby boy, all the children. And so Moses' mother, not wanting that to happen, set him among some reeds to float in a little basket. And Pharaoh's daughter came, discovered Moses, and kept, her, kept him as her own. So Moses was raised in Pharaoh's castle um, in a privileged position, though he was from a Jewish background. And we know that one day, though Moses was raised in privilege, he went out amongst his people and saw them working. They were slaves being oppressed. And he saw one of his fellow men being beaten up by uh, an Egyptian. And so Moses, who was saved from being murdered, murdered um, this Egyptian. And he was founded out, and he ran for his life. Moses was now a wanted man. He runs out into the wilderness, where God seems to take us many times to get our attention. And there he marries a woman, and takes care of his father-in-law, Jethro's sheep. And one day we saw how God called to him out of a bush that was burning with fire but was not being consumed. We looked at that a few weeks ago. And God said, Moses, I want you to go back to that land where you were raised. I know my people are being oppressed. I want to help them break free. I want you to lead the charge. And remember, we looked at how Moses' response to that was, who am I? Like, who am I? He's telling God, I can't, I'm not the one. Who am I to do this great thing you're asking me to do? And I'm sure that you've, at times in your life, maybe felt that way too. When God says, I'm giving you this leading, this direction. And you say, well, who am I to do that, God? Now, someone that doubts their ability, we said during that message a few weeks ago, when, there are, when people doubt they can do something, we like to encourage them, don't we? We like to say, you can do this. You got, you got this. But God doesn't do this with Moses. When Moses asks, who am I? God doesn't tell Moses who he is. Instead, God responds to Moses by telling him who he is. 
God says, I am who I am. And so God is saying to Moses, you ask, who am I? It really doesn't matter who you are, Moses. What matters here is I am who I am. That's where the success will be found. Not in who you are, but in who I am. The victory will be done through me. But I need you to be obedient and respond and go. And that still happens in your lives today. You may feel overwhelmed and doubt yourself. Maybe feel like I'm too great of a sinner. I don't have ability. And God says, look, I'm bigger than that. If you trust me, I'm calling you. I can do what needs to be done in and through your life. So Moses, he goes back to Egypt. You know the story, he leads the people out of oppression. God miraculously leads them out. And they, the, what, the first challenge they faced was the Red Sea. The Red Sea's here. The enemy's coming after them because Pharaoh changed his mind. And God departed the Red Sea, caused it to dry up. They were able to pass through. And when the our enemy came, the waters closed and devastated them all. And so this is where we're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 19 today. <clears throat> verses 1 to 5. <clears throat> and this is what we read. Reading, it says, In the third month after the people of Israel left Egypt. So this is three months after the whole leading out, going through the Red Sea. They came to the Sinai Desert on the same day. They had left Rephidim and had come to the Sinai Desert. There Israel set up their tents in front of the mountain. Now that mountain will be very significant in this story. And Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Say this to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and now I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you obey my voice and keep my agreement, you will belong to me from among all nations, for all the earth is mine. Just pause and pray with me as we go into this message today. Father, there's a lesson here that's not just relevant to Moses and the people of that day, but a message that's relevant to us today, and that's why you give it to us in this word. And I pray, God, our our hearts would be soft and hear and know that truth because you are able to do things. I can't, we can't, but God, you in us can do all things. You give us strength. So I pray we get a hold of that today in Jesus' name. Amen. So the, yeah, the series is called Break Free, and there's much in life which can hold us captive. We know some people are held back by um, damaging addictions in their life. We know that there are wrong attitudes which, which hold you in bondage. We know there's harmful relationships that have harmed you or being oppressed by uh, others or, or unhealthy fears that we might have. They're all like holding us back. And have you ever wondered why God wants you to break free from these things that hold you captive? From these areas that are holding you back and and, and, and kind of imprisoning you in your life. Now, you and I, we tend to have a narrow view of life, right? So we we think, well, God wants to break me break free from these things because I he wants me to have a better life and that's true I want to break free from anything that's holding me captive because I want to enjoy a better life and I I think all of us agree with that I think God wants us to have that as well but God 
does want us to have a better life, but the better life is bigger than just a life free from problems. I'm sure God's delighted when we break free from being held captive by any of these things which hold us back. But in Exodus 19, God reveals the main purpose for people, setting people free. And I think most of us miss it. We miss it. It goes like this. In Exodus chapter 9, we find God's people three months out from being set free, going through the Red Sea. God miraculously leads them through that sea, and, and, and there the, 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 the attacking army is devastated, and now God is ready to speak to them. We read this, we read this. He led the flock, the people, far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. And we've heard about this mountain earlier because Moses, when he was doubting his ability, was saying, who am I? Remember that? God said to him, I'll be with you, Moses, and this will be a sign that I'm with you. I'm the one who sent you. When you have brought these people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. So they're back. What God said is true. I will come back to this mountain and I will worship him. So Moses is thinking, God is truly with me. It's assurance that God, when God says something, it, it happens. It's, it's true. So God worked through Moses to set the people free. They're back at the mountain that, that he first met God, where God called him. I'm sure every Israelite who lived in Egypt under oppression with no freedom welcomed the opportunity to move forward, to step out into freedom. All of us would. But this was not the main reason why God delivered these people from oppression to freedom. It's not the main reason why he delivers us from anything that would hold us back into freedom. God tells us the reason in verse 4, and we, we read it today. God says, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, or anything that's holding you captive, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. God delivered them not just so they could be free, which is great, but more than this, they could be free to know Him and worship Him where the better life is always found. I brought you to myself. You were unable to worship me in Egypt. You were oppressed. You were held back. I, I broke you free from that, and you are now at a place where you can know me. I brought you to me, to this mountain, to this place in your life. Henry Blackaby writes this, The Israelites have been slaves with no freedom to worship God. Now with their own land, they could come to know and serve God freely. That's what it's about. And it's still true today when God delivers you, when he breaks into your life in such a way to cause you to break free from something that's oppressing you, and so, so that you can be in a place where you can know God and worship him from whatever's holding you back. Some of you have taken the money plan, of course, that Dave and Isabel offer at our church here. And I always remember, I've taken it a few times over the years. I'm also always reminded how they talk about the weight of debt. Because the weight of debt holds you captive, doesn't it? I've experienced that. I know that. It affects other places in your life. 
And you, and you talk about how, you know, you want to be able to give. Because I think in our hearts, we, we want to be a giving people. We want to give to our children. We want to give to our grandchildren. We want to give to a, a disaster fund or, or mothers in need. Or we want to give to a sponsor a child. We want to give to the church or, or to some, some, something that, that, is, that is, we believe in and we want to help and support. But we can't give because we have this weight of debt holding us back. And we want to do this, but we can't because of this weight of debt that we are carrying. And so in the money plan, it helps us to remove that debt so we can be the kind of people we want to be, a giving people. Much the same way, you may say, I want to know God. I want to fellowship with him. I want to worship him freely, but I feel like I want to be in this close personal relationship with him, but there's this thing that's holding me, that's weighing me down. It distracts me from truly knowing and surrendering to him fully. And that obstacle in my life may be worry. It may be an addiction. It may be unforgiveness many, many times. Or or pride that's preventing me from experiencing and knowing God fully the way I want to. And God's saying, I want to set you free from that debt, that thing that's weighing you down. I want to break you from, free from the, uh, the enslavement and the servitude to a sin, an addiction, an oppression, an unforgiveness that you need to be set free from. Then you will know me and you'll serve me freely. And again, a verse we've been coming back to a lot is, is what Jesus said. This, he said, the thief's purpose, the enemy, the devil's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus is quite clear. He says, my purpose for your life is to give you a rich and satisfying life. It's not great to know that God wants to give you a rich and satisfying life. But we need to be careful how we define the rich and satisfying life, because we tend to do it in our terms, in our narrow mind. Jesus did not come to us and die for us so we might uh, have a life free from problems. We, we, we live in a broken world, and in a world that's broken and damaged because of our sin. Jesus came to us in this troubled world so that we might have a relationship restored back to the Heavenly Father, back to the Creator that sin has cut us off from. You and I were created to be and have a personal saving relationship with God, and sin has cut that, severed us, separated us from God, and we're lost. We are lost to the purpose and the meaning of what our life is all about, and we're blind, and we can't see the purpose and the reason for us being here. Why am I here, God? Why all these things going on? Why, why am I here now in this world, at this place, at this time? And Jesus restores that relationship for which we were created. God created us to be in relationship with us. We are designed to know and have fellowship with our Heavenly Father. And knowing God in a daily, personal, loving relationship is where we find that rich and satisfying life. It's like coming home. And we share in God's victory through Jesus. We overcome sin through Jesus. 
and its horrible consequences, which separates us, wants to separate us from God forever. God cannot stand by and let that happen, though we chose that. So that's why he sent his son to take your place and your punishment and my punishment so that I can be set free from that. It's paid for if I would accept it and be restored back. You know, Jesus tells us, he says, I told you this, all of this, so that you may have peace in me. Can you imagine a world and a people who are all at true peace? Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, yep. But Jesus says, take heart because I have overcome the world. Yeah, you, you could, you, we could go around the room today and talk about the troubles and trials and sorrows that we've experienced, how it weighs us down. And Jesus says, I get that, I know that. I, 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 that's why I'm here, because this world is, is damaged. But don't be afraid. Take heart, for I am bigger than this. I have overcome this world. So come to me. What does he say? Come to me, who are all heavy burdened, laden. My yoke is easy. I'm gentle. The rich and satisfying life is where we come to know that we are not self-sufficient people. We want to be. We want to think, I've got it together. I, you know, I, I have this together. I'm a self-made man. But we are not self-sufficient. We are dependent upon the Lord. Jesus is able to give us so much more than what we could ever receive from what this world could ever give you, from the material things it wants to give you. Just a couple of days ago, I was sitting in, at the beach, Cape Cod, beautiful day, sitting on a bench with Glenda, reading a book, and a young couple walked by. And uh, they had a brand new Corvette. I loved Corvettes growing up. And Glenda said, I didn't notice, but she had Chanel glasses. I guess that means something. And they're, they're fit, they're hip, they're a Cape Cod and holiday. They were there for all to see this power couple, successful power couple. And all I could think of was how sad it was if that's all they, if that's all they had. All I could think of was how sad it would be if that's all that they had in life. And that was quite an epiphany for me, because I know there's times, there's times in my life when I would look at them and saw what they had, and I would be sad for not having that. And now I'm at the place where I'm sad because if that's all they have, oh, my heart breaks for them. It reminded me of a story of, of, a, of a man, a friend I had in one of my churches. His name was Jake. And Jake was um, a very uh, successful businessman. And Jake and, and John were friends, and both of them were very, very, very successful. And they were friends. In fact, John and Jake, I remember they would... Uh, at once, one Sunday every month, they would take the youth and load them up in the church vans and take them to McDonald's for the Sunday school lesson How, and pay for their, for their breakfasts. I mean, you got, you got dozens of kids loading up in vans, going to McDonald's, and they would flip the bill. They were just that kind of people. One day, I remember when Jake came to see me in my office, visibly troubled in, 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 in tears. And he had a picture that many of us have, would have seen this sort of picture before, but it was a picture of a boy in a faraway land who was obviously suffering from malnutrition. And we've seen those pictures, and they move us, but today it just moved Jake. He was in tears. He said, I, 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 I got to do something about this. 
And Jake, he loved cars and he had a huge car collection. And one of the, in his car collection was a vintage Corvette. The old ones, the original ones. And not everybody knew this, but when we were in his office, my office that day, Jake said, I'm going to sell that Corvette. And he did. He gave the money to the Canada Food Grains Project, who feeds children like that little boy in the picture. And I took that picture that Jake had with him of that boy and put it in my office to remind me, that's a rich and satisfying life. Not the one I can hold on to and try to press others with, because those things are temporary. We talked about that at our prayer start this morning, how the things in this world are temporary, but the things of heaven are eternal. And how the rich and satisfying life is dependent on things that we're going to be very disappointed because they rot, they decay, they're stolen sometimes. But the things of God never disappear. And I watched someone who valued something in their life but didn't cling on to it so much they couldn't use it to help and love someone else. And that spoke to me. Rick Warren says it this way, Love leaves legacy. How you treated other people, not your wealth or accomplishments, is the most enduring impact you can leave on earth. How you love others, how you treat others, how you value others is, is, was, is where your legacy is found. And Jesus taught us lessons which seem to contradict the way that, that we tend to think. For example, in Matthew 16, 25, he says, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And all of us, we have this instinct that we want to save our lives. We want, we want to live on. And we'll go to great lengths to, to do so. I will. You will. The problem is when we take control because we think it's up to me, it's up to us to save this life, we don't think we will have a rich and satisfying life unless we take control, unless we think we get more better things in our life and, and, and better status and, and, and other things. that. But they deteriorate. They, they, we found out they burn in fire. They, they, they're, sometimes they're taken away. They, they're, we lose them. They're temporary. They cannot give us what we all need. But we give ourselves to Jesus and we trust him, we find life. He'll take care of our needs. It's not like it's, like, okay, now that you're, you can't have, you're, you're on your own, uh, I, 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 now that you trust me, you, you can't enjoy anything. It's not like that. It's just, it's just as I trust you above all these things. If you ask me to give, I'll give. If you ask me to love someone, I'll love someone because I love you first and foremost. But when we give ourselves to Christ, we trust him to lead us. We find that rich and satisfying life that we see a world hungering for and are missing it because they're not looking to the source of life. Jesus saves us. It's God's plan. Who of us can do this on our own? None of us. How, how can I hang on to my life? I cannot protect it from disease. I cannot protect it from disaster. I cannot protect it from death. So why would I try hanging on as if I could? I'm truly saved because I said, God, Lord, 
You take control. I truly say because Jesus is able to give me what I in this world can never give me, that restored relationship that sin had taken away. That Jesus took my place, died for Mark's sin and your sin. And if you would say yes and accept that and follow that, you can know God personally. And that's where the rich and satisfying life is found. So yeah, it's good to be set free from things that bind us, things that hold us captive. And you can watch a lot of commercials on TV to tell you how you can be set free, a lot of workshops, a lot of philosophies. But God said, I want to do this for you. My purpose in doing it is so that you can live a life, even in a damaged, broken world, where you can have peace in me, where you can find purpose in me, where you can have direction and eternity. His purpose is that you may know him. That's what he told those people out of Egypt. You are set free and you're in freedom going, yeah, I love this freedom. But he says, yeah, but that's not the main reason. It's so that you, I can bring you to myself. That you know who I am. No matter where you live, no matter how many things you can hold on to, the fact is that sin always destroys life, and Jesus wants to save it. That's what he's saying. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. I want to give you a rich and satisfying life. I've heard, um, man, I've been so touched by some of the stories of, of you good people who have had to leave your home country to come here to, to Canada. And it hasn't been easy. And you're wanting to find a better life in your, in, in your family, and I would want that. All of us would want that. We'd be willing to sacrifice today and go through the trouble of today so that we can know uh, a, a better life tomorrow for us and our family. I think that's great. Or maybe we're, we're focusing, we, we are going through trials or, or worry or anxiety or we're, 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 we're looking for a career, we're looking for something, you know, that, that, that is, and we make it a God in our life. And the problem is we can be so fixed on breaking free from whatever's holding us back in life. We miss the most invaluable, valued aspect of breaking free is that we would know him. We would enjoy a saving relationship with God. So yeah, want, be break, let God break you free and enjoy that, whatever that is. But know the main reason is he wants to bring you to himself. Always has been, always will be. He said to the people of Moses' day, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians. That's the enemy. Whatever the enemy is in your life, it God is saying to the people, you saw firsthand how I delivered you from your enemy. They wanted to harm you. I wanted to save you. They wanted to bring you back to life of oppression, but I wanted to free you. Have you seen God or how God has delivered you from an enemy in your life? From an addiction? From a sin? From an unhealthy relationship? Can you say, I've seen God work in my life. I've seen his hand of protection upon me. I've witnessed his mighty ways at work in the, in the midst of my life. God is saying, as he did to those people back in that day, you know how I carried you on eagle's wings. And, and people then back in that day believed that the mother eagle carried her young 
on her wings to protect them from attack from the ground. If, if, the, if the young is on, holding onto the mother's wings while they're near, someone shoots an arrow, it has to go through the, the mother before it hit the, the, the young birds. Same way God's saying, if the enemy wants to get you, they've got to come through me first. I like that. And God reveals the reason why he did all of this, why he's telling you, why I'm, why I'm delivering you is because of this. I brought you to myself. Don't ever forget that. He wants to bring you to himself because that is where and always will be life is found. Don't get distracted. Don't get confused. Don't go chasing after things that will be gone tomorrow. Foremost and firstmost, chase the one who is eternal, who created you and who loves you. You know, um, we can look back at stories like this one and be motivated by how God has worked. It's powerful. It encourages me. That same God wants to help me today. But the Bible also has stories about what has not yet happened yet. And the same way they should motivate us and encourage us. It isn't just the past that can motivate us to break free, but the Bible is a unique book in that it tells us what's to come. So in closing... I want to read from the book of Revelation. What is to come? What is to happen that hasn't happened yet? And be encouraged. God reveals to us a battle which is coming. And and we read about it in Revelation chapter 12. This is what's going to happen. We read about what happened here on earth. We read about how God intervenes and still intervenes to bring people to himself. In Revelation chapter 12, it says, Then there was war in heaven. Michael, the archangel, and his angels fought against this dragon. So we're starting at verse 7. Sorry, verse 7. Then there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against this dragon. The animal, the, the animal, this animal and his angels fought back. But the dragon was not strong enough to win. Amen. There was no more room in heaven for them. The dragon was thrown down to the earth from heaven. The animal is the old snake. Who is he? He's also called the devil or Satan. He is the one who has fooled the whole world. He has thrown down the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now God has saved from the punishment of sin. God's power as king has come. God's holy nation has come. God's Christ, Jesus, is here with power. The one who spoke against our Christian brothers, that's our enemy, the devil, has been thrown down to earth. He stood before God, speaking against them day and night. That's what the devil does. He tries to accuse you. He comes before God and accuses you, accuses you day and night. But they had power over him. See, the devil is not greater. And one because of the blood of the Lamb, that's Jesus Christ, who shed his life, gave his life for you. Because of the blood of the Lamb, by telling what he had done for them, they did not love their lives, but were willing to die. And for this reason, O heavens, and you who are there, be full of joy. It is bad for you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you. He is very angry because he knows He only has a short time. 
If you only have a short time to accomplish your goal, you're going to go for it. An enemy's going for it. He's trying to get you, accuse you, drag you, misguide you, distract you. But what I want you to know today, if you remember anything today, it's just this simple phrase that's been really working on me. Victory is not in question, but who shares in that victory is. You see, God's won. That's what we're reading. God, we know how it ends. God won. He wins. Jesus won on the cross. God wins in the final war. The victory is there. It's not in question. It's not if, oh, I hope he wins. He wins. The only question is who's going to share in it? Will you? Will you share in that victory? We just read how it ends. God's power as king has come. God's holy nation has come. God's Christ is here with power. The one who spoke against our Christian brothers and sisters has been thrown down to the earth. He's lost. Victory is not the question here. What concerns me today is who's going to share in that victory? Will it, is it going to be you? The Bible tells us, but thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Love to pray with you. I just feel like there may be some of you who say, you know what? I want to share in that victory. I want that victory. When it comes to that, I want to be counted on the winning side, not the losing side who's gone forever in torment. And it's free. It's available. God says, I want to bring you to myself. If you would love to happen, have that happen today, would you pray with me as we close? The worship team will come. Lord, all of us have been separated you because of sin. I have sinned. I have fallen short. I made decisions that are disobedient. All of us have. And being a holy God, you cannot have fellowship with sin. And so we're doomed. Thank you for sending Jesus, who was without sin, who became sin, so that we could be right with you. All of us, God, need to be right with you. There's only one way that can happen, and that's through what Jesus did on the cross. Father, I pray for the one who even now their hearts are crying out. I want to share in that victory. For the one who cries out, I'm sorry for what I've done. I want to be saved from the sin that separates me from you. I ask for forgiveness. Would you forgive me? Would you help me day by day as I seek to live for you? It will, it will, it will be difficult. There will be challenges and temptations, God, but I'm for you. I want to be with you. I know you want to help me. That's why you set me free, so that I can come to you and know you today and forever. And so, God, I pray for that one, for those today who want to pray this and mean this, Father. Their life has just changed. Their life has changed forever. Not because of who we are, not because of what this world can give us, but what you can give us. Life. A rich, satisfying life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.